So do you guys feel like with this episode, it's going to feel like the Parks and Rec episode where that guy wants to put the Twilight book in the time yes. capsule? I think it is. It. Yeah. it is. And you know what? I recently watched that episode, and I strongly identify with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, have considered, I have considered writing letters to, uh, to, to make sure that, that Twilight is canonized in the, uh, you know, American whatever... Yeah, the Library, of, Library Congress? of Congress. Yeah, yeah. I want it on the floor. I don't even, not, not even in the catacombs. I want that one on display, full display. Well, we can put it right next to the President's Secrets book from National Treasure Two. <laughs> book of Secrets. I'm pretty sure it's actually it is next to the President's Secret book. I read that on National Geographic. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Waveframe. Frame everybody. This is a podcast where Luke and Isaac talk about movies and music. Today we'll be talking about Twilight. Yeah, uh, don't forget before you go any further, please pause this podcast. Go follow <laughs> us on our Instagram at WaveframePod. Follow us on Spotify. Stay up to date. Uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts. And even better, you will give us a either five star rating or you even will. better yet, <laughs> you will give us a great review yeah, that's, or an honest review. We'll take that too on Apple Podcasts. We would of, love that. Luke's a, a vampire. One of his powers is that he can see the future. Yeah. We'll get into that soon. We also have a guest here, um, longtime friend of the podcast, aka me and Luke, Jordan Derithma. Introduce yourself. Hi. Uh, yeah, I. I'm Jordan, and uh, I am a longtime fan of the podcast. Uh, I love what you guys have done, and I'm also a longtime fan of the Twilight franchise. And a long time is relative. I was not a fan when it first came out, but we'll get into that. You're the closest thing we have to a local expert. I consider myself, you know what? I consider myself an expert because not that many people will defend Twilight. <laughs> and so just by just by virtue of me being one of the few Twilight fans, I uh, you know, I instantly know more than 95% of people. <laughs> yes. yes. Jordan, when did you first interact with Twilight? How did it enter your life? That's a We could I could answer that question, but I want to hear yours first. Well, I honestly don't know. I remember, like every uh, middle school boy yeah. back in the day. I mean, I was—I'm sure I was in middle school or elementary school when it came out. I mean, the book came out in 2006, but the craze didn't really hit until like 2008, 2009. Didn't so the movie come out in 2008? That's possible. I'm gonna look it up while you're talking. Regardless, all that to say, the craze struck when I was in middle school and. Obligatorily, like everybody hated Justin Bieber, we had to hate yes, Twilight. Yes. Just like The Bachelor, you know, there's there's the list that you weren't a man unless you hated them. <laughs> <laughs> and since since the oh, the Jonas Brothers, they're mm-hmm. part of that list, of course. And Twilight, Twilight was also a part of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, towards the end of high school, I actually watched them. I think they were on TV, and you yeah. know, it, it did just, come out in 2008. I just looked it up. 2008. Yeah. Yeah. The year of Iron Man, The Dark Knight. Big year. Big year. Yeah, that was a big year. And Traffic Thunder, maybe? I don't know. But most importantly, Twilight. Most importantly, (laughs) Twilight. Yes. Yes. Most importantly, to Jordan, uh, (laughs) circa 2018, that Twilight came out in 2008. But 
Uh, yeah, uh, end of high school, I think I, I finally watched the movies, and I surprisingly really enjoyed them. Um, so then last year, I uh, sat down and actually read the books, hmm. which they're actually very, I mean, unsurprisingly, very easy read, <laughs> but they're long. They're they're thick books. They're I mean, thick look, boys. Look at this. Yeah, it's big. This one, the first one, is is almost five hundred. I will say I like the covers. Yes, they're they're neat. Four hundred ninety eight pages. The first yeah. one. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And then rewatching the movies after I finished the books, I really enjoyed them too. So, I would say I first fell in love with them when I was eighteen, and then. Really, really felt very passionately about them uh, around the age of 21. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, okay, but like, what made you want to watch the movies again in the first place when you were 18? Just one. I'm sure. I, I'm sure they were just on TV, and they, okay. they just caught my eye, and then and then I started watching them, and then yeah, it's like a hooked. friend where after like a few months, you look at each other and you're like. How did we become friends? Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. I can't really explain how it happened, but yeah. it happened. It did. For, be- for better. Yes. For better. <laughs> I was Not for worse. <laughs> I was at the Howard Miller Library in Zealand, and I picked up the book Twilight before the movies even came out, and I checked it out, and I brought it home. And then my dad and my oldest sister said something along the lines of like, Oh, I was like, I don't know if that's, like, the most appropriate book. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then I brought it back and didn't read it. My life could have been so different. It could have been so different. It could have been so different. I was in middle school, and I was saying how I really liked the band Muse, because that was my <laughs> awakening to my Muse phase that yes. has stuck with me to now. Twilight was? No, I'm just oh, like I was. I was reading to Muse, and then yeah. I remember, like, telling this kid, like, oh, yeah, like, I really like Muse, like, and this is what I like about it. And he's like... This kid was like kind of a bully, and then he was like, "Aren't they like in Twilight?" And I'm like, "Uh, no, they, they, they don't do Twilight songs." And I'm like, they're really defensive about it, but little did I know that they did do Twilight songs, they did. and they're pretty cool actually they, in the movie. Very much so. As Stephanie Meyer has, uh, I think she dedicated one of the books to Muse, and she always <laughs> has a little thing at the end thanking what? thanking Muse, yeah, saying, "And as always, uh, like I want to thank." The band Muse for my my obsession. She she loves Muse. I knew that and she that, drew a lot from them for her. Definitely. I thought you were gonna say writing. drooled a lot <laughs> over them. Drooled maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, because the baseball scene is really fun, and yeah. that's Muse, right? Supermassive yeah. black hole. Yeah, that's right. Because I'm trying to like Muse like does deal like it is like the sinister like otherworldly sound like yeah. like I, yeah I've heard Muse described especially like in contrast to Radiohead like Radiohead is like the introverts like stumblings and wanderings as opposed to muse is the extroverts uh explosions and conspiracy theories and their music is representative of that even though they have similar ties in the way that they write music i like that so yeah so it fits with like yeah these these sinister like otherworldly tones of muse really fit in with this totally sinister element of of the vampires the werewolves just a few years later we were sitting in the theater watching world war z Mm -hmm. where the amazing muse song Mm -hmm. second law isolated isolated system just like brings you into this zombie apocalypse world so I, I mean, I agree with that. A I think lot. it's a it's a it's a similar feeling that Daft Punk gives you in Tron Legacy. Mm. It, 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 it's a very 
vibe heavy. The, the, vibe, the vibe, yes, it's very vibe heavy, and that's that's one of my favorite things throughout the books, throughout the movies of Twilight, and I think that's one thing that pe- it goes underappreciated because Stephanie Meyer is very good at building that kind of aesthetic, and she knows exactly what it is, and she had thought it through and put a lot of, you know, time and effort into creating exactly what aesthetic she wants, and it really just it works with the kind of music that is in is in the movie and i think muse definitely uh plays into that well the cinematography also plays into that a ton because for example harry potter the cinematography changes throughout the series and gets a lot darker towards the later films kind of starting with prisoner of azkaban but this has that nice moody like like um like it's always rainy. It feels like it's uh, well, like cloudy, yeah, and, and, and obviously and, that that has an important plot element. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but like that helps with the atmosphere. Absolutely. Totally, and I feel like with Absolutely. that the the pales are. It's very the, 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 there's a high contrast. I feel like the yeah. pales and the darks are very separate. Well, and then he like goes into that beam of sunlight. Is that in Twilight? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he's sparkly, and that that's like wow big contrast to this moody gloomy kind of aesthetic before well so that's that's one of the huge motifs over the whole series and i think in contrast to how harry potter does it harry potter starts very bright and happy yeah you know it's the hearth it's family it's it's a strong community and then that you that kind of breaks down Mm -hmm. that's the the big plot and obviously it comes around right at the end but in twilight it's kind of the reverse where you have it start out very, very dark and you're in the dark about what is actually going on, who all of these people are, what, like what these random killings and all of these things are going on in forks. And then you find out, Oh, it's this really sinister thing. But as, as you go on, the more and more you find out about the vampires in the book and then eventually the werewolves, the more you find out that, Oh, they're actually not, evil Mm -hmm. and it's kind of peeling back those layers obviously the whole point of of it being a romance quotes horror uh series it's not actually a horror uh it's supposed to show you know that they're just dramatically misunderstood creatures and it's a whole different take on uh vampires and and um those kinds of Monsters. Uh, yeah. That's a really good point. I, I remember, yeah, because so you, at, at your encouragement, we watched it with a group of friends. You know, we worked through the series. And I remember, like, feeling in the first movie, and it just continues to grow the more you get to know the characters, you, like, you know, Bella's brought into this family of vampires, and you want to be a part of that family. You're yeah. like, this is great. Yeah, it's a found family. They chose yeah. each other. Because they're not yes. genetically yeah. related, but, you know, uh, yeah, the vampires all find Plus, each other. Plus, they're, like, kind of superheroes because they have superpowers. Yeah. Yes. Well, so And so that's, I think, even starting in the first one, you, you follow the story through Bella, and she's a, uh, you know, a very flawed character, obviously, not deaf to some of their critiques, but uh, you learn information as she learns information, and you also get your opinion of the Colin family as she does as well. And Mm -hmm. there's uh, one particular um, Edward's sister who she really does not get along with at all until, of course, uh, later in the series, you find out exactly why she has this beef and uh, she ends up becoming a very redeemable character and you really, really like her by the end. Um, but that happens with, with every single member of the Cullen family, and then it happens with the werewolf tribe, too. They, every Almost everybody starts out 
more or less unlikable. Uh, and you just, the more you get to know them, the more you actually understand that they're, they're more than just, um, the monster that they're told that they are. Plus they have such rich history. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of when you around the same time, like a year later, X-Men origins Wolverine came out and you see this amazing opening where they're like in the civil war and all this stuff. And you see flashbacks from the vampire family of them being in a different time period. Totally. Like yes. the civil war. And, <laughs> yes, like exactly. War. Exactly. Yeah. And that is, that is, that is so cool to me. I love that stuff. Well, that definitely brings up the, my absolute favorite part about twilight more than the aesthetic and more than, so if you're a lover of landscape, <laughs> landscape shots, I, yeah. I, I have to give a, a a not- notable mention to Twilight because it has some of the most phenomenal. It's Washington, right? Washington State is where it takes place. Yes, Forks, yeah. Washington, and I believe they did a lot of filming actually in Forks, Washington. Oh, that's great. I like um, that. But yeah, it's it's the I mean the 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 shots there, the place of Forks, despite being intentionally dreary, cloudy, yeah. rainy all the time, which of course it has to be to protect the vampires from mm-hmm. spark their skin sparkling and then, then obviously everybody knowing they're vampires besides being that it makes you want to move to forks it makes you want to go there because it's just raw nature and and uh it's it's uh it, definitely a lot about it is tries to draw you in and, and the book definitely does that um with more than just the characters it also does that with the aesthetic and the environment as well but like i was saying uh the the history and the lore the world that Stephanie Meyer creates um, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for this kind of thing this is why I like Avatar yeah. the Last Airbender why I like Star Wars yeah. Lord of the Rings any any good world that has really cool concepts mm-hmm. for you know the the superhuman the you know kind of the limits of the people in the world or you know creates this weird lore behind it I'm. I really, really like, and I think Twilight does a fantastic job, and it's it, it's excellent. The 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 vampires in Twilight, you want to be one. <laughs> Where in most uh, movies or books that depict vampires, they're dark, sulky creatures who you know you can't go out during the day. Mm-hmm. You have those, you know, sharp incisors. Some can turn into a bat. You can fly. Uh, and, but, bat fights. Bat yeah. fights. From what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Transylvanian. But yeah. you're, you're a, kind of a sleuthy character. Mm-hmm. And the the vampires in uh, Stephanie Meyer's interpretation are just, they're really cool. I mean, they can run 100 miles an hour. They're skin is hard as steel they sparkle in the sunlight which you know is the one that kind of gets a, a bad, bad rap but, <laughs> yeah. but that was they, the joke back in 2010 and whatever you know oh he sparkles you know right yeah right but uh then then some of them are born with these superhuman gifts mm. so edward uh of course has the ability to read people's minds um, and then Edward's sister, adopted sister, Alice, she has the ability to see the future. And both of these play really important plot points, but they also um, just make the characters really fascinating because I don't know that I've seen very many characters, even in, in the superhero, uh, like in the comic book franchises, that actually reckon with those types of powers on the personal level that Edward has to because mm-hmm. you're always 
of course, through Bella, but you're always right next to Edward and you're getting a lot of his brain just from him talking to Bella. And it, it really troubles him to have this power. He can't shut off other people's minds. He hears them all the time. He hears things he doesn't want to hear. Uh, he hears just kind of the, the scum of humanity thinking their thoughts and, that that you kind just of, insulted Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I meant, I insulted the human. Race. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but he, you know, this it gives him so much more richness as a character because you realize he is not just a superhuman like a, a demigod mm-hmm. with all these powers. It's a curse, and of course, that's you know one of the other big things about this. If they were just superhumans, then you'd say, well, okay, sign me up. But. Yeah, there's good conflict, which I was about to say. Like, you want to be a vampire, but yet there's compelling conflict. Well, that, like, drives the whole, like, part of the romantic edge with him and Bella is, you know, she wants to be a vampire, and he's like, no, you don't. (laughs) You don't want to be a vampire. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, apart from the fear that their souls are eternally condemned, the biggest... biggest (laughs) That small thing. (laughs) That small thing. The the biggest, uh, obviously tension that they all face is the unquenchable unquenchable thirst for human blood yeah and that's that's one that's one thing that you will if you read the books or if you watch the movies unless you try to understand it in any possible way you can you will underappreciate it and then it'll make you bitter about the movies so (laughs) or or you'll like laugh at them like they're comedies right exactly because you and you see it and this is why robert pattinson is such an amazing actor because his body language in the first movie is, I mean, you have to understand what he's trying to do. He's trying yeah. to play a uh, 117-year-old <laughs> guy who looks, who looks like a 17-year-old. Yes, who is hot. Who's also, who's also a, a demigod with his respect to his powers that he has. But he is trying to be normal. He is in love with this girl. But he wants to kill her and eat her. <laughs> and, and and a plot point that Stephanie Meyer, I think, elegantly added is that sometimes, once in a while, once in a lifetime, basically, a vampire will have a human whose blood smells. That, I mean, Edward describes it as his own personal brand of heroin, but so irresistible that 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 thing becomes like the greatest thing in their mind and they have to what's the word for that again like they call it a singer okay a singer um so bella is edward's singer which means that he has wanted to to suck her blood more than he's wanted to suck anybody's blood ever but you know how romantic (laughs) very romantic but, but in the movie in the movie a lot of people give you know, the, there's some awkward body language and, mm-hmm. and face, you know, mm-hmm. facial expressions. Does he sniff sometimes? <laughs> yeah, he sniffs. He, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he sniffs. He stares. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of has his mouth like half hanging open. Yeah. But it's brilliant. Yeah. When you, if you try to actually understand what is going on in his head, just besides the fact that he's hearing every single person's thought around him. Oh, seriously? Yeah. But he doesn't hear Bella's thoughts. And so oh. Bella, Bella to him becomes, you know, being a singer. Mysterious. Be, and not being able to read her thoughts. Wait, why can't she, he read her thoughts? Well, so it, it, 
I don't want to spoil it if, if uh, that's going to come later. You find okay. out. You find out in, later in the series why. Okay, cool, cool, can't. cool, cool. Um, but all that to say, it makes Bella uh, probably the most intriguing person that oh, he's ever met. For sure. Plus, you know, high school gets boring after <laughs> hundred right. years. years. And and you, when you're reading the books, even when you're watching the movie, you're, you're taking for granted it's narrated by Bella. So you get to be inside Bella's head, and yeah. Bella objectively is a very enigmatic character and she makes decisions a lot of times that you are just like why did you do that <laughs> and even edward is like why did you do that <laughs> but you're inside bella's mind and he's not mm-hmm. yeah but he's inside everyone and else's he's used mind. to being inside of i think this is the perfect time to bring up the sequel book that she might be writing i just heard rumors that yeah. it'll be the same story as twilight but from edward's perspective right correct what is your opinion on that well um i think that i think it's fascinating because the thing that interests me the most about these books are the the vampires and like i was saying the the lore and, and mm-hmm. kind of the the supernatural aspect of it um but i think it'll also be really interesting because you, you know edward you only get what what Bella will tell you in in these books, mm-hmm. and it's very clear that Edward is v- withholding, and he doesn't often tell Bella what he's thinking. You can he, tell that in the movie too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And he, he he you know the kind of person that Stephanie Meyer wanted him to be is the kind of guy who you'll just find out randomly after knowing him for five years that he speaks a language and you had no idea that he spoke it. <laughs> yes. That's the kind of person that he is. Yeah. And that Bella's constantly seeing, oh my gosh, you you played the piano perfectly. I didn't know that since when, but he's 117 years old and he's spent a lot of his time just making himself a better person and Im- improving himself. But he's like he's, Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I, I remember seeing, so maybe one of you showed this to me or maybe we've talked about it before, but like when Robert Pattinson, an actor that we've all like know, come to know and love over the years, yeah. <laughs> and he, he uh, the, the directors and the production team were like, hey man, we like, we love what you're doing, but we need you to smile more. Like you need to be like more charismatic for like the audience is going to watch this movie. And, and they like, he's like, no, I don't really want to do that. So they like sent him a book and they highlighted all the times where it's like Edward smiled or whatever. And then he <laughs> went through the book and highlighted all the times like Edward stared or like Edward frowned or <laughs> Edward's face was uh, and like he sent it back. Then I was like, no. And then he gets a call from his manager. And, like his manager's like, hey man, I don't know what problems you're causing over there, but you need to get your act together because otherwise you're going to get fired and your career is going to go nowhere. I think in interviews oh he said he was scared of being fired at times. Uh. He's a wacko dude. And that's why I love him. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine like, just all of Edward's intricacies, you got to get someone who's yeah. equally complex. <laughs> Plus, like, even just his, honestly, body structure, his facial structure is so good for a vampire. Like, you know how in Lord of the Rings they hire people who are thin, slender, and, like, high cheekbones for the elves? They do the same thing for the vampires in this movie where, I mean, the makeup helps and all that helps, but... You know, you you can't fake the cheekbones he has, or you know the amazing. Very true. It's all hair. It's sharp. It's sharp. Almost anime. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, features. <laughs> I also heard 
just I looked up a compilation of his interviews, and a lot of them were from the Twilight era. And he would just say he's been known to like make stuff up and like <laughs> kind of mess with people and mess with people interviewing him. And one time he was at this big, I mean, it wasn't Comic Con, but like every it looked like a panel at Comic Con because all these like girls and were were there in the crowd and they're like what do you do to your hair to make it so amazing and he's like uh i have 12 year old virgins lick it (laughs) (laughs) i thought that was hilarious so i just like him as a person a a lot also kristen stewart is i mean you can have a bunch of different opinions of her as an actress but She's a good person, and I like the projects she chooses. She, she, she plays a good Bella, too, because Bella is supposed to be very introverted and, and very enigmatic, and I think Kristen Stewart portrays that well. I think there's you, you could have a common criticism, the same criticism that I think you can have of Jesse Eisenberg, that every role that Kristen Stewart has played since Bella has just been a different version of Bella mm-hmm. in every Every role that Jesse Eisenberg has played since Mark Zuckerberg has just been Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Typecasted. Except yeah. for Lex Luthor. But no, he was just Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think he was the worst no. version of something else. No, he, he, was, he was just Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, maybe I, turn, I like dialed to 11, maybe. Mark Zuckerberg with uh, Slightly Crazy. I liked yeah. him as Lex Luthor. Like, I, didn't like, I, like Mark, I like him as Mark Zuckerberg, so well, I usually like him. I liked him, him a lot as Mark Zuckerberg, yes. I like... The Justice League movies more than the average person, though. So I was I, I recognize that that. Okay, I want to get into how the view of Twilight and its fans have changed throughout the years. Because I mean, you got into Twilight around 2018, Jordan, and you know we talked about how it's cool to hate things in middle school, especially a lot of those things you listed. Whereas I feel like there's this. I don't know the right words for it, but I'm going to take a stab at it. Like a renaissance of... Resurgence. Yes, of an unironic wave of love for things that we used to hate for not good reasons. Like the prequels, now they're arguably just as much love for them. Or at least the fans of them are very vocal Mm. as... You know, the original trilogy. And that, honestly, I mean, I used to, you guys know, (laughs) I used to be, I feel like I I converted. (laughs) It's like a religious start. It's a hard fought war. Oh, yeah. I mean, our our group on Instagram is called Arguey Star Wars Boys. (laughs) The three of us. Many arguments. I mean, mean, like two summers in a row, we would just argue about Star Wars. Because you could argue forever, but what I'm what my point is is that like recently there was a documentary uh, by a YouTube channel called Screen Junkies about how there's still really diehard Twilight fans out there, and like they have conventions and stuff, and it's a really healthy, awesome community. And I would say the honestly the prequel Star Wars trilogy community is pretty healthy and awesome and really fun and I follow them on Reddit and like they're one of my favorite people to follow on Reddit and so it kind of m- makes me realize that like the world building of things sometimes transcends the filmmaking aspects of it and and I would say like the passionate love for these things honestly has helped me be more unironic and less like oh i need to be cool and like i just love whatever i love and i've been learning that through a lot of different people and stuff in the last five years but like being 
I think one of the main reasons why I've come around to like the Star Wars prequels or like the Twilight movies is because or or music like I like Kesha a lot and like you know like I don't know or, or, or like it used to be guilty pleasure now it's just like why don't you just call it pleasure I don't know. like I I think I think if you don't uh, love some things it can quickly turn into elitism I'm saying it's fine to dislike things but like check yourself why you dislike things well I I, I definitely could echo that and I think. Um, I think there's definitely an unfortunate pressure, you know, like I was saying, you were kind of expected to hate Twilight, just yeah. like you're expected to hate Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. But, you know, another one of those is, is The Bachelor, of course, and now I watch The Bachelor religiously. <laughs> and we I, all don't I, hate Justin Bieber right now. <laughs> no, and you the know. Jonas Brothers, I love yeah, the Jonas yeah, Brothers. Yeah. But I think I, I, I got to a point, it started, I think, with The Bachelor, where I, I just rationally realized oh, if I watch The Bachelor, then I'll talk to girls. <laughs> and it works. You, I mean... It, it always comes you, out of a pragmatic... I'm not knocking it. Until you tried it. I, I'm saying it, it, it works. And if, if you, you know, if, if your goal is to try to talk to girls, you meet them on their level. And, oh, and back yeah. then, I wish I, had, I wish I had read the Twilight books because I would have... Oh, man, you, you would have talked to so many girls. Yes. But... I think that that kind of transformed itself into you know what just you know enjoy the content that you like and yeah. and this is this is what I was really going to say Twilight just like I think the prequels are but especially for me Twilight is a respite and the reason it's a respite is that uh you know there are other other series that I will read to try and reckon with the intricacies of the human person but Twilight is not that book. And realistically, it's not going to win a Nobel Literature Prize. You read it because it's entertaining and the world is cool. And the aesthetic is, the vibe is really, really good. Mm-hmm. But the characters in Twilight, you know, and the whole idea, the whole romance, and this is why it gets a lot of, a lot of hate, is it's not, it's not really realistic. Because especially once you introduce the werewolves, they have this thing called imprinting where, you know, if you're a werewolf, you will meet, once you meet the one, it'll be, you know, they compare it to like gravity shifts and gravity, you know, starts revolving around that person and they're the person that ties you to the earth. And it's like such a deep form of love that when you're reading it, you kind of just can't help thinking, oh, I wish that were how it was, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and same thing with like, I wish that, you know, I could be, a vampire and I didn't have to sleep or I could run a hundred miles an hour and I could run for hours and not get tired. You you don't read it because even, and there definitely is intricacies and there are complex characters, but you don't read it because they're relatable situations necessarily. At least, at least the certain situations are, are not very relatable, Mm -hmm. but I think some of the characters are relatable and they're interesting. All that to say, I think, uh, when you're when you're engaging in Twilight, you have to have the right mindset about it. You can't go in with a critical mindset because, or any expectations at all, because you're going to be disappointed because it's not anything like any literature you've ever read before. It's or yeah, or film or <laughs> right. the way the movie. Okay, are but made. that philosophy is something I've tried to do with every single movie as of the past five years. No expectations. Like if I really love a movie, I won't even watch a trailer. I'll just be like. 
I like that director. That poster looks cool. I'm going to see it. You know, this these lack of expectations is really compelling to me. I used to be known for like I would know all the Rotten Tomatoes like percentages for things, <laughs> and now I haven't gone on Rotten Tomatoes. Like I go there probably once a year because I don't care anymore because it's like I don't need somebody else to tell me what I should like. So I I think I've, I've probably told you guys this before, but this is my philosophy of, of art yes. in general. And <laughs> I think about this way too often. <laughs> my my philosophy is if I'm if you know if I'm in an art museum or if I'm watching a movie, <laughs> do I like that? Do I like looking at that? <laughs> if I like looking at it, oh, that's a good piece of art. <laughs> If I, oh, I don't like looking at it? Not a good piece of art to me. That movie? Do I like watching it? Yeah, it's a good movie. Oh, no, I didn't like watching it? Not a good movie. And I like watching Twilight, and that's as simple as that. I think what really kind of brought me into what we're talking about with, you know, how do, yeah, how do you judge, you know, what's good art to you, or like, yeah. how do you appreciate what you thought you maybe didn't appreciate, yeah. was uh, a thing I heard from a, a professor back in, in college and how they were saying, you know, you should seek to appreciate art uh, to at least some level at for the intent that it was created to be. And for me, that primarily was it brought me around on country music a lot <laughs> because, you know, the music that I listened to had very different intents and very different messages than country music. And, you know, if I'm looking for those things in country music, I'm going to be disappointed because that's not what country music is there to do. Yeah. If I'm listening to Muse, like we're talking about, and I'm loving it for its its uh, symphonic influences and, you know, I can hear the Bach elements in it and, and the rock riffs, of course, I'm not going to find those necessarily in the average country song. But if I want to hear a song, for example, we were just talking about this, Isaac, today. If I want to hear a song about, you know, a, a specific moment and the beauty that's to be held in, you know, the everyday simple moment that you're in, the people you're with, the place you are, I'm going to go to country music and that's going to be able to tell me that better than any other genre of music that exists. And so I think that with this, yeah, like uh, looking at Twilight and the movies, which I I would definitely say, like, I don't think they're well done movies. I don't know if you guys would agree or disagree with that, but after watching them, you know, I wasn't like, wow, this was incredible filmmaking, but for the story, the things it was trying to bring to the table, what you've been talking about, Jordan, it succeeded so well, and it made you fall in love with these characters, with this family of vampires, you know, primarily in the first in the first uh, installment of the series, and that's why I would give it a big thumbs up, and I would say everybody should give Twilight a chance. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to remind the world that I, I, I'm not trying to, like, I just learned this in one of my English classes at Calvin, so it's not like I knew this my whole life, but the people watching Shakespeare when Shakespeare actually was performed at that time period on the stage were not the high-class people of the world. They weren't the critics. They were just your middle-class, lower-class, everyday people. So you never know where Twilight will be in 100 years. (laughs) And critics ultimately don't control what is good media. Right, and, and, uh, you know, you go to Twilight because you want to just read a really nice love story about a love that is so passionate that it's, it's out of, you know, it's, it's superhuman, literally superhuman. And that's, that's nice. You know, why, why don't people want to read, read about that? That's well, people nice do. Story. People do want to write about I, that. People should. Yeah. People should. It's nice. Like I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for romance and that, that you know, as far Nothing as romance goes, them. 
it's this it's good. <laughs> it, ma- it makes you want to keep reading, and yeah. it makes you want to keep watching. I think I think our world in that sense has progressed well to the fact that this whole episode hasn't hopefully doesn't come across as us just defending twilight but more diving into why we enjoy it why we love it um because i think if we made this in like 2012 or something it would just be us defending why we love twilight yeah and it'd be a very different vibe i feel no also I, I we would be true. 16 years old <laughs> 2012 yeah i don't want to hear 16 year old me talk about stuff. <laughs> i would pay money to hear it but have no one else here <laughs> But no, I'm just I just saying like I think it's more generally accepted. I mean, this might be a far fetch, but like there, there's a reason why like Rick and Morty and Adventure Time can work so well nowadays because or like they just like throw things at the wall and a lot of it sticks and a lot of it you didn't even know was funny until you saw it and like it's less concerned about what is good storytelling and it's like how can we be super creative and how can we do something that is new and fun and make a world that you are interested in and i think like even that goes into my philosophy of how i live my life like i'm not going to make all of the jokes that i think are the best jokes ever i'm going to make the jokes that i think will make people laugh and what's better than that like you know and sometimes they'll groan (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly so it's fine if you miss sometimes just it's just amazing to be around people in a community that will groan in love Mm -hmm. and laugh (laughs) instead of judge you for bad jokes yeah and and i think that the the most creative thing about twilight is definitely the the world building that she does and especially as you expand just from the vampires uh, I'll I'll show my hand a little bit. My favorite is not the first book. So if we ever do more of these, you will find out which one is my favorite. But let us know if you want another installment of this Twilight talk. But I I personally I include the Twilight uh, universe world on to me the same level as some of the worlds that Brandon Sanderson has created as Lord of the Rings. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily as expansive, but I think the the ideas that she comes up with and the execution, um, you know, of how she, you know, has magic or, or whatever you, you want to classify it as in her world, I think it, it works so, so well. And it's so fascinating to me. It's just very interesting. And that's one of the things that draws me. And I know that's why Star Wars, you know, there's a whole books and series and and just yeah thousands of hours of content legends created about those themes that that and you're not saying this lightly i mean you recently read lord of the rings you've read brandon sanderson you've read twilight you've read star wars you you know you're not just like a I won't. I don't know the right word, but like you, act, you haven't just seen the Lord of the Rings movies once. You've actually read the books. Not stuff. a plebeian. You know? <laughs> yeah, not a casual fan. Yeah. You're, not, you're not one of Shakespeare's original audience. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course, and I would never, and I wouldn't say that Twilight is as as high quality literature as the Lord of the Rings by any stretch of the imagination. But I think what she taps on in some of her world building mm-hmm. ideas are, in their own way, uh, equally as creative. Are we coming up on a half hour? Are we above half I think hour? we're above half an hour at this point, maybe. Right. But, I mean... Because I could a- talk more about it 
But we'll save it. For that's a great. Time. That's a great wrap up. Yeah. Hopefully, guys, if you're listening to this, uh, you are encouraged to maybe give Twilight a try if you haven't. But in and general, come in with the right mindset. Come sure. approach art with an open mind, mm-hmm. ready to really appreciate it and see the beauty. Um, and shoot, yeah, shoot me a text. Shoot tell me, tell, me, text. tell me you watched it. <laughs> I would make my day. Yeah, we're just gonna say Jordan's number right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. Or not, but if you have my number, give me a text. You can always set us up at Wayframe Pod, and, and we'll we pass will send it along to Jordan. To Jordan. Yeah. I love to hear it. Yeah. But thanks for listening, everybody. Um, and we'll we'll see you next time. Th- thanks um, for having right. me. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love to have you. This is great. This is great content. It was great. I love the show. It was great content. <laughs> thanks Thank for you. bringing us into the world of Twilight. Yeah, you really were the, the gateway. Yeah, share. Yes, it's my pleasure. Mm-hmm. All right, stay safe and healthy, everybody. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.